Oh. Oh my gosh. That it. Unlocked a new party member, Craig. Has <laughs> joined the class. Uh, and we're also joined tonight um, by Stephen, third strongest on Discord, um, our sole academician, and Ben, as usual. How's it going, Ben? I am well. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. And tonight we're talking about the hex. It's the first of six, uh, no, seven. We're going to do seven portions on the hex. Is that yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, I figured we're going to need a whole extra devoted episode to talk about all the crazy secrets and stuff once we've successfully beaten the six primary section. Because um, there's a lot. Uh, but yes, seven sections, one for each of the sort of main game roles that we will be playing, the little mini-games that we'll be running through, and then another one to talk about all the crazy stuff. Because there's not any crazy stuff up until the end, apparently. Um, it's totally well, normal. We will run into lots of crazy stuff along the way. Like, there are already secrets and spades, even in this first area. Um, but de de devoting an entire episode to it at the end will give us a chance to sort of like go back and talk about some of the ones that we missed as well as talk about some of the ones that you can't access until the end and speaking of things we missed so this is also sort of a transition class between our uh, pony island discussion and and into the hex and i know you went back and and did some stuff in the end of pony island so you want yes. to catch us up on that all right, so first off, upon getting all of the tickets, um, you are attacked by Hopeless Soul. Like, it doesn't even matter which ticket it is. You do not have to wait until the end of the game. Like, whenever you get the last ticket, Hopeless Soul just confronts you and says something along the lines of, oh, I bet you feel so smart because you found all the tickets. I guess you want some big fancy challenge or something. And then he proceeds to do a giant boss fight. Um nice. And there are three phases to the boss fight, which he specifically says, like, you can't very well have a boss fight without multiple phases. So he is very conscious of the fact that he is acting as your final boss experience, your final challenge. Um, like, it is very meta here. Um, but there's also sort of a dryness about it, like he's doing it begrudgingly. Um, that he doesn't want to be here, you know, entertaining you and your stupid video game nonsense, but he's going to do it anyway. Um, so you start off with, I believe, your your typical, like, pony running experience, uh, a little similar to, to um, like, the final boss fight with Lucifer, mm -hmm. only you're, like, running back and forth, dodging his attacks while trying to, like, keep shooting at him all of the time. Um, and then in classic Mario fashion, it switches to the Pony Galaxy side-scrolling shmup, and you gotta, sh you gotta beat him that way as he's, like, shooting devil faces at you. Um, and then lastly, in the grand finale, you have to beat him in 3D! Oh my god! Yeah, so, like, that silly little game where they do Pony Island 3D and you're jumping over the hurdles and it's really bad. Um, now you have pony lasers, which it's basically just this giant, like, 3D block that comes spitting out of you in, with all the, like, text um, yeah. that was there in the original version. Um, and you just, like, try and damage him as much as possible as he flies around and throws stuff at you and just is generally a pain in the butt. 
And then you beat him, and he doesn't, like, die or blow up or anything. He's like, I hope you're happy. Like, we're done. There's nothing else. Um, And you were on this empty field, like this giant 3D field that looks like you're still running, but you're actually not. Um, But, importantly, if you run off the edge of the world... (laughs) at this point, like, it requires you to just sit there, like, pressing the button for a good five minutes or something, but eventually you can wander off the world, at which point you fall, and if you have seen all three questions um, Mm -hmm. that you ask Baphomet, that's when you see the Crusader helmet um, on the floor. Ah. The okay. reason why I saw that that cutscene and you did not was because I had already done this and I didn't even realize that that was unique. Um, and then you look up and you're back in Pony Island. Like, you're right back to Act 3. Um, nothing has changed. And when you get to the end with Hopeless Soul, they act as if nothing has happened? Or are they gone from the game? Yeah, nothing changes. Um, There are a couple of little factors that'll change throughout the course of the game. Like, when you first uh, start up Act 1, which, again, I noticed because I had done this before, um, but when Lucifer talks to you for the first time, like, when the first loading screen is happening and it, like, breaks down, and then you fix it, and then you're into the game, and Lucifer is like, I hope you're happy with yourself. Um, Here he's like, oh, it's you again. Um, like, I guess we're doing this all over. Um, so there, there are some nods throughout the game that this is not your first playthrough, um, mostly in the form of, again, this sort of, like, tired quality. Um, but other than that, there's not that much that's different. Like, you play through Pony Island and it's just the same thing all over again. Um, the one other change that is noticeable is Louie, like the mascot guy. Um, he has his death face when you see him for the first time in Act 3, after you've killed him at least once. Uh, oh. So he always looks like horror face after that. Louie, we hardly knew you at all. And <laughs> yep. yeah. So so it's never explained what Hopeless Soul's you know, identity is or anything of that sort. It's just... But- the closest that anyone gets is what we talked about before, where if you're like messing around with the registry, um, like Lucifer explains that sometimes he speaks in other voices and adopts Hopeless Soul's voice at that point. Um, okay. So the insinuation certainly is that like it's Lucifer himself, um, just you know another avatar of his, and he's right. been manipulating you from the beginning. And and role playing in such a way that he himself is tired of it by by the point you sort of figure it out. It sounds like um, yeah, um, hmm. yeah. Like both the bad game and the good game are his design. And when you're going back into it, it's like you know he he just doesn't want to do it anymore. He, he's tired out. This is this is old hat to him at this point. And to me, that's that's a lot. I think a a lot like what we get in the hex actually, right? Because of the, the element of dispiritedness of um, fatigue, right, uh, is very pronounced. Um, not so much the sort of uncertainty and, uh, you know, not being sure of your abilities and, and that sort of thing, which is more so there in Pony Island, at least in the early parts, I thought. But, but more that feeling of um, yeah, being washed up 
um, mm. having seen better days um, seems to be the very strong sort of smell of the hex so far for me at least yeah like even in the first chapter that's a major theme like even within the super weasel kid story yeah. um, like it's very prevalent um what that's that's our assumption going in yeah and you know pony island is so much about sort of innocence and the you know the ability to grapple with these dark powers that are trying to get you down and and trap you um and i felt like that comes in a bit with weasel boy too right he's uh he is this uh, childlike figure and he's the only one that the uh the old barkeep says he trusts right? yes. he, he considers him innocent in a way that he doesn't um trust the others who are who are all present there um so that that was another kind of connection i could see but yeah so far i i I mean, thematically, I can sort of see the the connection between the hex and Pony Island, but um, as far as details go, I don't think I noticed, um, you know, too much that was giving it away. But I would say, you know, the gameplay in the first portion here is that platforming. Um, mm -hmm. It's got those kind of happy, cheerful graphics, which are so over the top that you can't really take them seriously. You start to doubt and wonder um, what's going on. And there's, of course, those kind of flourishes of um, of breaking the fourth wall and, and using messages from Steam um, that start breaking in and the game starts breaking uh, in obvious ways uh, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so there's a lot. I guess there's a lot to to um, follow uh, into this from Pony Island. But, um, yeah, could you just kind of set the stage for, like, what this game is about? What What is the hex? Yeah, so it, it has one of the best beginnings of a video game of, like, any, in my opinion. Like, it's it's fairly subtle about it, but I love the, you know, dark, mansion-y tavern in an unknown place with, like, the storm going on. Like, it's very over-the-top melodramatic, but then, you know, you, you come in and it's the bartender who's in a wheelchair, like, wheeling over the phone, and he picks it up, and he's like, oh, one of my patrons is planning a murder, eh? But which one? Um, and then, you know, you pan out, and you see that there are, like, six specific patrons at this bar. And like you said, he says that he trusts Super Weasel Kid, so we sort of take him on as our avatar initially. Um, and we can't proceed until we've talked to all the other patrons. Um, so at this point, we've run into, obviously, Weasel Kid, but even at this point, like, everyone is not trustworthy. Um, right. Like, we have the strange-looking old man with his, like, belt full of grenades who seems to talk incoherently about people he's already murdered. Um, <laughs> we've got Lazarus, the space marine, who apparently already knows Super Weasel Kid. Um, but right. we're not supposed to to reveal that to anyone. They're not supposed to have met at this point. Um, so he's obviously very suspicious. We have mysterious question mark face guy. Um, and, like, he can't speak. And Weasel Kid even mentions that he hasn't been fully rendered. So we don't know what his deal is. Like, he is just a complete question mark at this point. Uh, we have Chandrel, the sorceress, who is very surly with us and does not want to talk. And when you, like, question her about it, you have to go, like, two or three times before she'll even give you her name. 
Um, and basically, she's very haughty and doesn't want to deal with you and is very impressed with herself, it seems. Um, but we don't know anything more about her. And then we have the burly-looking shirtless dude with the tattoos who looks like he belongs in a fighting game but is apparently actually from a cooking game. Um, so, again, suspicious folks all around. Um, is his name uh, Bryce? Is, is yeah. his room we have to go into, right? Yes, Bryce okay. is the one whose room we actually have to... we are instructed to bust into. Um, like, you can go upstairs and are instructed to go upstairs, and you can, in fact, like, wander through quite a few of their rooms, including Chandrell's and somebody else's? I don't remember. Uh, well, there's a weird one that's that's got a name on it. I forget which name it was, but I don't think you can get in, or at least I couldn't. Um, yes. Maybe something. At least one yeah. of the doors is locked at this point, but I think you can, like, you have, you were instructed to go into Bryce's room. You can go into Chandrell's room. There's, I want to say one more, like you can go into Lazarus's room. Uh, but at this point, we are still fairly limited. Um, but also just wandering around, obviously this is a building full of secrets and hidden things, and the pictures are suspicious. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you noticed, but there's actually a picture of Mr. Shrewd on yes. the wall. Uh, and at the point when I, I saw it... Um... Weasel Kid says, Mr. Shrewd? Um, and it, it'll interact with it just the once. So mm -hmm. I wasn't sure that I saw it. And I hadn't met Mr. Shrewd yet, so I didn't know what that was. Um, yeah. so I had not played his his Porsche, his memory um, at that point. Um, I yeah. was going around clicking everything once I realized you could pick up the bottles in the background, mm -hmm. which really amused me. Um, because physics, you know, like yeah. how are you this bottle. <laughs> I'm pretty able to get the bottle from the top shelf when you're only six yeah. feet tall. Yeah. You're you're the weasel kid. I guess you do some platforming now and again. And but but yeah, it's there's there's sort of this seventh game, which is the frame game, right? And so mm -hmm. uh, the barkeep himself is is the extra character in that way, I guess. Um he's wheelchair uh bound behind the bar. Yes. And he mentions that and, and says that's why he doesn't like cook himself uh yep. cook food for himself or you know and yeah, yeah and apparently so he, Bryce does the cooking around here exactly yeah so he's got the cook um and yet doesn't trust the cook apparently he's like <laughs> new just hired maybe or, or something um he seems to uh again yeah trust you um the, the weasel kid and that sort of like trust flows into weasel kid and makes you play as him after starting out as the, the barkeep um mm -hmm. I was I was really interested in that, and by the end of the the Weasel Kid chapter, that flows into the cook, and he's who you're going to play next. Uh, yes. Seems. Yeah, and so you can sort of see this um this interesting yeah frame story I call it, where you can click on everything, um, you can pick certain things up, uh, you can talk to people or try to, but uh, mm -hmm. like you say, they're they're not very uh, talkative, especially that question mark guy. Yep. Um, and I think that you can find coins, right? Yeah. Uh, as you're going around and underneath things and behind things, uh, you'll pick up little change um, quarters. I think they're all quarters. Yep. I I used a bunch on one soda machine only to find there was another soda machine upstairs. And yes. by the time I found it, I, I didn't have enough money to, to get whatever's in either of them. Um, 
So is that is that possible at this stage of the game to to actually? Yes, I actually opened up the cheapest of the soda machines, the buck fifty one on the second floor. Um, Art. And if you go inside, there is a radio um, with a clever little ditty that it keeps repeating, which we can talk about when you track it down. Um, but yes, all of the all of the change and all can be used at the soda machines. There are three. Um, there's okay. a third one hidden, um, in addition to the two that we've already found. Um, so once you unlock them, we can talk about them more. But keep keep your eyes peeled. There are hints everywhere, and there are coins hiding in the most unexpected places. Um, there, there is a there's a message written in blood, maybe, or just read um, about sarsaparilla at one point. Also, yeah. uh, is that is that something that you get from one of the soda machines? <laughs> um, not that I remember. You don't actually get any sarsaparilla in my recollection, but sarsaparilla is nonetheless important and will be okay. something we see again. I figure. And so, well, so as you're exploring, like you said, you um, you find some secrets, and some are necessary, and some are just extra. I guess um, mm -hmm. there's the coins. There's well, the fact that you can interact with lots of stuff, which is not obvious. Like when you mentioned the radio, I remembered the. Um, the cool little uh, record player that's going downstairs. Yeah. And so, so the music that's playing in the game is also fun is a feature of the game world. Um, yeah. Which is fitting. This is a, this is the corner, like a forgotten corner of the video game universe, right? Where the storm is raging. Um, there's some papers up in the one bedroom um, that's unlocked. That's uh, got you know it's got the sword up on the wall and you're like oh that's yep. kind of weird uh, and the papers say something about a ritual but it's all damp from the rain you can't read them um, mm -hmm. beyond that um, so that's that's the closest thing I've seen well you know the hex as it's got these multiple meanings uh, you've got the six characters so that's the mm -hmm. hex but then you've also got the hex in the sense of a curse or ritual it sounds like somebody's planning to use the blood of the bartender for I guess. Um, I, I would have to see some foreshadowing uh, before I could give evidence for that, but that's that's my kind of wild guess at this point. Um, and you, yeah, you crawl through like a hole in the wall uh, to reach mm -hmm. the room you were supposed to go in um, and find the key, which the bartender wants. Um, and that's weird. Um, the key's in a locked room, but... That's a pretty obvious secret, and again, like a necessary one, I think. I don't think there's another yeah. way to get in. So, nope. But then, <sighs> creepy stuff starts happening, right? As soon as you start to crawl back out again, um, there's a, a thumbs down, mm -hmm. like spray painted or something decaled on the wall where moments before there was nothing. And at that point, you fall. Uh, you fall through this, the floor and past the floor with the bar, the, the ground floor, and down, down to the the downstairs uh, of the place. Um, you get knocked out and you start your, your kind of dream sequence there. Um, so that thumbs down um, is sort of the same color as the, the writing on the wall, I think. Mm -hmm. um, there's like this shadowy figure. Oh, and as you're loading the game, it wants you to get the brightness just so, right? So that yes. will look properly shadowy, right? Yep. Um, it's the bartender's face that they use to calibrate that, I think. Um, or at least somebody's face, a mysterious face in a kind of frame. And 
okay so then so then the, the sort of you know first memory kicks in um the the platformer and it's um it's accompanied by all these like messages about how great it is and how fun uh and all the kind of you know sound effects and graphics are real upbeat um the the only really interesting thing though about it i think is the uh cat right yes. isn't it a cat that's like floating up there the on prophet steer thing yeah. or carpet on the like hidden up in the sky exactly and it looks to me like you're supposed to you know hop on the magic carpet um but actually the cat is functioning kind of as our baphomet for this game right uh the cat has something to tell you if you can give them 50 coins right. um yeah and to get some of the coins you have to like again move the mouse around and and um pop the bubbles that the coins are locked in so mm -hmm. that was that was kind of strange um so it's a kind of fetch quest um but it's um, it's got this kind of interesting interface, I guess, um, which again, sort of, it, it's it's a way of showing you what you're doing as, as far as um, playing the game. There, like you're jumping and running and stuff as the character, but you're also controlling the mouse with the pin thing as the player, I guess. Um, and the cat seems to be speaking to both of you. Um, she kind of the cat breaks through uh, her function in the game. And and talks directly to, I get I guess my you know the player, um, what I what she says is like something about sarsaparilla like what what, <laughs> 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 yes um so did you only meet the cat the once yeah I only found her in the first level yeah she's in all three no uh, yep yep alas already there are secrets upon secrets um. Damn. Yeah, she she gets better hidden in the later later levels, um, but yeah, in the first one she she gives you the hint that this game was built on the ruins of another. Um, ah, okay. And then she mentions the sarsaparilla. She she sort of draws a hint to it. But I'm also like, it's also like you said, she's breaking through her role in the game. Um, yes. Like she she sort of gives you the hint that she's pre-programmed to tell you you know secret wisdom which is something fairly platitudinous and not terribly impressive but then she's like nope nope can't do it like i'm, I'm gonna give you real knowledge um right. and then she you know reveals that this game was built on the ruins of the other game um and then in the second one we are explained that it this is the result of reggie seeking vengeance um okay and then in the third one which you really got to work for because there that's where the, all of like the clouds that break are like you yeah. have to get all the way up there and then apparently reggie is seeking vengeance by performing the hex written oh, man. in yellow um <laughs> so your connection between the six characters hex and the curse hex is well founded um like even this early you can see that that's sort of the direction we're going in yeah okay so the the ruins of the other game um i mean in one sense that's mario right i mean like the original mm -hmm. mario even mario brothers 2 which has like flying carpets in it and and stuff like that um and you know the enemies are kind of a mashup of Koopas with 
mushroom heads on. Yeah, they got um, the toadstools with the spikes in the jackets. The spiky jackets, right? Yeah, and uh, and when you get to the end of the level, you you run up the flag. So it's it's like the very first Mario Brothers in that mm-hmm. way. Um, inside of these little castles, they also shoot you with. They shoot you out of um, uh, cannons, actually, kind of mm. like Secret of Mana, which I thought was super cool. Um, I, I like that. Or Kirby, I guess, right? Um, yep. But yeah, I I think uh, you can you cannot die, at least in the first one, right? Because Mr. Shrewd yeah. will save you no matter what happens. Mr. Shrewd is there mm-hmm. for you. Um, he's weird. Uh, what What is he? Like a little elf? Little mole? Well, I mean, he's a shrew, obviously. Oh, okay. Shrew with a with a D as Mr. Shrewd. Um, I did not get that, man. Okay. Well, right <laughs> uh, yeah, I think of like maybe this is you know my gaming history speaking, but he has basically the exact same role as like Bottles the Mole from Banjo Kazooie. Insofar as he like digs out of the ground and then gives you tutorial tips and you know helps you out. Um, sure. But okay. here, if anything, it's even more protective. Like, Shrewd very much acts as your father figure through this section. Um, yep. Like, he, he instructs you, like, here is this big adventure, and maybe if everything goes well, you can even, like, soar through the sky. Like, it's this <laughs> world full of promise and excitement, and like you say, it's really, you know, upbeat and lighthearted, and it's not dangerous. Like one of the one of the comments, the sort of like fourth wall breaking Steam reviews says something along the lines of like, "Who needs game over screens anyway?" Mm-hmm. Um, like this is a game with that presents no danger, that doesn't have any actual threat or penalty for failure, um, largely because of the action, Mister Shrewd. Like he is the figure protecting you um, throughout mm-hmm. this at least first section of the game. Um, but again, like as you get to the end, you run into all of these little Steam review things, the the little thumbs up saying, you know, how great Super Weasel Kid is, and how you know the first one is so awesome, but the sequels weren't so great, um, or just you know praising how awesome it is to like fly through the air, or how you know just fun it is, or how lighthearted it is, or even like you know how unthreatening it is. It's fun because it's not you know challenging or or dangerous. Um, but of course, that all changes in the sequel. Um, so, you, yeah. You mentioned, yeah, so the thumbs up, those ones stay put, those platforms for you, right? Yeah. So they literally support Super Weasel Kid as he's going along through the level. Not that it's really necessary, right? Because if you fall, Mr. Yep. Shrewd is there to catch you. Um, but then, yeah, once they start having thumbs down, then it really... Uh, it really it, it, it kicks in with a kind of time limit on how long you can stand on that because they're like the donut platforms in Mario. They start to fall. Um, yep. And the thumbs down, right, is what sent you tumbling in the first place. Um, yes. So just as the thumbs up support you, the thumbs down literally drop you down and, and make you fall. And yeah, Super Weasel Kid seems to like be aging in each of the games, right? He, he's getting... Older, he's getting cooler, possibly. Yeah, in some he's got his sunglasses in the, in the <laughs> second. Rougher around the edges. Um, and the suggestion is that the kid who made the game, Lionel, uh, was only 12 years old when, when he made it. Um, yeah, the first one was like, only 12. It's like a, it's like a version of, um, 
of our man Daniel Mullins then, right? Because he was making flash games when he was like, you know, an adolescent, a, a kid, mm-hmm. um, probably, you know, dreaming of having a game that this that was this legendary that had this kind of buzz around it um, that he writes into the the comments, and then of course has like actual friends of yours on Steam um, right. listed as posting those comments. Or... Yeah, and so. Gosh, I missed the shrew thing, but I did notice that you know the squirrel is is called squirrel or something. Yeah, um, squirrel. The and rabbit. he's like he like kind of beefy and and kind of you know surly, um, mm. uh, kind of gross looking. He's got like a wife beater tank top on, uh, and he doesn't seem to want to be there. But he's got a job to do, right? Yep. Um, now, by, by that point, the game is is really breaking though, right? And this is where yeah. Lionel has sold out entirely uh to like the fun game company or something game right? funa, game funa. <laughs> is that is that reggie or do we just not know if there's yeah we don't have a, a point of reference yet but we will learn a lot more about game funa in the next section uh, okay so so keep it in keep it in mind because it will become more important is game funa meant to sound like foreign you know like uh either japanese or possibly russian or something like uh the the way you pronounce it is making me think it's um uh alien in some way Uh, yeah that's sort of the sense that i got like you know there's no obvious connection to it it could just as well be you know an american corporation buying up original ips from from old developers um, but that's that's very much the dynamic that's on display here. Like when you're running around, like the giant broken, awful remake of Super Weasel Kid '09, um, which I think the date is in fact important here. Like it is 2009 that we're dealing with at this. Point. So at this point, Lionel is probably in his teenage years. Um, right. His prodiginess is over because Radical Road was kind of a mixed bag. <laughs> People didn't care for it so much, although, you know, it had positive reviews, it had supporters, but it also had detractors. Um, but this one, this one's just a giant, broken, buggy, ugly mess. Um, yeah. It is very much like a cash grab trying to, you know, cling to the greatness of the first one without actually doing the work. Um, and you'll notice, like, a couple of the negative reviews mention that this is what GameFuna does. Um, it is another broken buggy port by GameFuna. Um, so, you know, it's certainly alien to Lionel. Like, you get the sense that over the course of these three games, Lionel himself has grown up. Um, like, from the 12-year-old kid, wide-eyed and enthusiastic, programming this game as a labor of love and surprise, turns out to be a big, wild hit, to, you know... He became a teenager like everyone else, so he wanted all of his radical, you know, <laughs> combat fights and the the skateboarding on the sign down the down the hill, and, you know, all of the clouds going yeah and awesome and like looking way cooler and you know Weasel Kid with his sunglasses like it's hard not to see a Sonic parallel there to be honest. Yes. Um, like that's that's the other point of reference here, like. Mario has stayed Mario for for decades, but Sonic has fo- fallen followed every trend to disastrous results in many. Well, cases. I don't know. 
People said they liked the movie. I, I haven't seen it, but I heard it was okay. Yeah, I heard good <laughs> things about the movie, or at least, you know, neutral things about the movie. Uh, but it seems like, you know, every every Sonic game has a very it's... mixed reaction at this point. Um, like, everybody talks about how great the old ones were, but it seems like nothing stands up to, to that standard. Um, and then as Sonic has become cooler and more, you know, transgressive over the years, it's just gotten weird. Um, but that's, I feel like that's a conversation for another day, like, dissecting the Sonic franchise and where it succeeded and went wrong. Um, but that's another sense, I guess, and we could take the, the fortune tellers words, you know, that it's, um, in some ways this bears the resemblance that Sonic does to Mario, right? Um, Super Weasel Kids kind of innocent original actual game um, is in, is being twisted in all these ways. And also in the sense of like this, this is all this, just a memory. Uh, this is a kind of flashback that he's having um, mm -hmm. all passed out down in the basement of the uh, forgotten corner of the video game universe, right? Right. And, and so, yeah, there's... um. There's also these little hints that somebody in the shadows, again, is like concerned for you. So there's a kind of Mr. Shrewdishness to that shadowy figure. But then there's a grave and the figure puts a rose on it. And that's Mr. Shrewd's grave. So I guess it couldn't be Mr. Shrewd. Um, getting some like very Phantom of the Opera vibes, though. So I'm, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, who who that person in the shadows is or what what they are. Um, but anyway, uh, one other secret that I did find, if you don't go back to the the uh, elevator right away and you go the other way down in the in the basement, you find a um, kind of like a missile. Um, it's crash landed there and it's green and it's also kind of like a, a container. Um, yeah, it looks kind of like a sci-fi stasis tube or something. Exactly. Yep, very much. And again, um, Weasel Kid seems to know the person who is to have been in that. Uh, were they like called Jeremiah? Yeah, Jeremiah. It looks like he got out all right. Looks like he got out all right. So that's weird. Um, it also strikes me that I don't remember seeing like an entrance to the bar. Um, mm. So how people are arriving to the bar is unclear to me, I guess. Um, some of them at least arrive via space capsule. <laughs> and, then it's, uh, and there's a coin behind the, the rocket. So I did find that one, um, but I'm sure I missed some coins. I'm curious, do you know, do the coins um, stay with you if you don't use them and, and then change characters? Does that new character have all the coins you've found so far? Yes, you don't you don't have to worry about losing the coins when you change hands. So, like if you've switched to, he has all the coins. He inherits them from Weasel King and so on. Uh, so that's that's very arcade like, you know, yes. the, the idea of coin operated stuff. Um, yeah, but but in other ways, this is like a very you know point and click kind of adventure. This this frame world. Um, yeah, I, I I guess yeah, I don't know quite what to make of again the the. The layers of um, gameplay here, but uh, it's, it's real interesting so far. This is a, this is a nifty game. Um, I'm kind of surprised it didn't get as much attention as Pony Island did. Do, why, why do you think that is? 
Um, I think Pony Island was a little bit easier to understand at a glance. Um, and it was also, you know, it, it was so original at the time. Um, like, I remember when Pony Island came out, there were a bunch of games that were sort of talking about or experimenting with or sort of like looking at video game history and sort of like making sort of reference to a whole bunch of different moments um, in video game history. Like, I think of the game Evoland, especially, which is, it sort of like starts out as a Zelda-ish game, but then it keeps adopting new mechanics until you've got like Final Fantasy VII style um, backgrounds, and it's sort of like moving through gaming history, tabulating what's going on while while also um, sort of like telling its own story. Um, Pony Island was doing that right. Like, where Evoland was kind of clumsy about it and was more of a novelty than anything interesting in its own right, like, Pony Island was telling a very distinct, interesting story. Um, something in addition to this sort of metatextual, like, video game commentary. You know, the developer as character is a new idea. Um, and plus, like, a lot of it was just mimetic. Like, you know, the ponies were immediately recognizable. Ponies fighting Satan was just sort of like this weird, awesome, very uh, marketable idea or concept. Uh, by contrast, the hex is a little bit more like complicated. It's a it's more plotty. Um, you have to know the context in order to appreciate what's going on on the screen at any moment. Um, so, like, I th I think that's at least part of it. It wasn't as sort of immediately graspable. Um, I also think it wasn't quite as like, it didn't get picked up by the same YouTubers who made Pony Island popular. Like, I know that Jim Sterling plugged the hacks maybe once, but he was not nearly as excited about it as he was about Pony Island. Like, that ended up on his best games of the year list, whereas the hacks was kind of passed over in silence. Um, and honestly, like, for those who played the two games... Like, you could get a lot out of Pony Island without digging very deeply, but the hex is just mired in levels and layers of, you know, like, player involvement um, to the point that, like, some of its greatest secrets are so well hidden that they're not even in the game. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, it requires a profound level of commitment. Um, so the hex has some really devoted followers, people who have you know, like me, followed it since its inception and been excited about it since day one, and people who have had a way bigger investment than I have, like, in the seeking of the secrets in the first place. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't think it had the same mass appeal um, that Pony Island managed to do. Like, Pony Island was a cult classic that appealed to the entirety of the potential cult. Um, the Hex is even more niche. Uh, which I find weird and, like, not necessarily appropriate, because the story it's telling is really good. Um, but it's very complex. I mean, it seems like it would have been much more difficult to make. Um, yes. This is a part of the conversation I know very little about, but, like, it's... Um, it's the same guy making it, right? I don't know if he <laughs> had more of a team on this go-around, or just had a little bit more... I don't know, freedom, maybe time to kind of flex 
uh, with this game and just like put more into it. Um, but uh, it, it just is very impressive um, yes. even from the very outset, um, what he's able to do with it. Um, and well, yeah, to say nothing of all the various kinds of gameplay that I'm I'm expecting are, are kind of built yep. in um, much more so than just, you know, the text mode and the galaxy mode and the 3D mode of, of Pony Island. But, um, but yeah, um, as far as the mystery character, don't they mention that he looks like someone from a walking simulator also? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I don't even know what is a walking simulator. That's that's past the time I kind of stopped playing. Yeah, <laughs> that is a big question. Okay. Uh, so I want to say around the like right around the turn of about 2010, um, there were a spat of games from various indie developers um, that basically they primarily were built in the unity engine, which is an engine specifically geared to build first person shooters. Um, like unity is, I want to say the engine that, um, unreal was built on, but I'm, I don't remember exactly. Um, oh, isn't it the one that Mullins is using for these games? I think they, it says yes. that they're built in unity, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I could have it confused. I might be thinking of the unreal engine at any rate. There were a okay. whole bunch of games that used the basic like perspective of the first person shooter but didn't give you a gun and did not involve like shooting in any way. Um uh, and because again they were using the first person, they were they sort of got their own name as walking simulator. Um the the big one that everyone sort of remembers is like the one that kicked it off was Dear Esther. Um, where you're just kind of walking up a few predetermined paths around an island, and while it's kind of open world, it's also kind of linear, um, but a great deal of attention has been paid to like the environments and what it looks like and the experience of walking through there, um, as well as like the story that's being told in this kind of abstract, dreamlike sense. Um, and after Dear Esther, there were a bunch of various copycats um, sort of exploring this idea of like just walking around a space and that being enough of an engaging way to interact with a game. Um, things like uh, Ether One, Mind Path to Thalamus, um, there were a ton. Probably the most successful have like were those that sort of incorporated mysteries and puzzles into the the formula. Like the Vanishing of Ethan Carter did like a murder mystery. Um, where you were sort of trying to find what had happened to this lost boy. Um, and then, uh, what's the name? Whatever happened to Edith Finch, I think, or what remains of Edith Finch was great because it incorporated several new game mechanics into the typical walking simulator, simulator formula, um, all with interesting symbolic and thematic repercussion. Um, so, but so this is like a response to the, like, the fact that the guy has no face, is that because you, you're seeing, you know, from his perspective? Exactly. Um, the, the sort of insinuation there is that this character is either from a walking simulator or a first-person shooter. And you'll notice that, like, only the tips of his hands and the bottoms of his feet are rendered. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because that's what you would see in a game like this. Like, you would see the hands when they interact with things, you would see the feet... You like look down at the ground, but all the rest you don't have to see. It doesn't have to be rendered because nobody ever sees it. You you were always looking from that person's perspective, 
Um, which kind of brings up some interesting questions in your own right of like, what does a first person character look like? Um, they are the perspective from which you always see the world. They are not to be seen themselves. Um, right. But yeah, unless, that's that's the suggestion there. Yeah. Well, unless it's like the um, the the versus mode in, in Goldeneye or something, right? Where yeah, where you're, you're you're doing doing like terrifying pieces that are so poorly rendered. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh my god. Um, okay, but so. So you got the walking sim slash first-person shooter, unclear which, and that's, I guess, part of this, the suspense here, maybe. Got the platformer um, yep. that are, like, called out, and then the fighter, but he claims not to be a fighter. Yep, so he's a, a cooking game character. The sorcerer, I assume, is from a kind of um, World of Warcraft-type game, like an RPG or a MMORPG, perhaps. Yep, um, the idea that she's a sorcerer definitely suggests she's coming from something like fantasy RPG-ish. Yeah, um, so there's that to look forward to, um, and then the two on the other side. The one says he's a space marine, but then again, there's mm-hmm. already like a wink and a nod kind of between the two of you. So maybe that's a, a, a like a a lie. I don't know, like a uh, a disguise. Um, anyway, uh, there's him. So that's like Halo, I guess. Uh, and yeah. I couldn't tell what the other guy was supposed to be from exactly. He does mention a bunch of people's names that he's like. On his, that are on his hit list or you know that he has already killed or something mm-hmm. um what kind of game is he supposed to be from or, or, or are we supposed to know yet did i miss that yeah like it, it's not entirely clear at this point but based on the way that he's dressed you might get a post-apocalyptic vibe from him okay. um so he's sort of a fallout-esque um like post-apocalyptic rpg character it seems um, okay. Or at least that's as much as we're getting, because again, he does he doesn't give us coherent answers. Um, he seems to be like kind of out of his mind at this point. Yeah, and so Steve is saying he's he's reminiscent of the Assassin's Creed kind of yeah uh, with the hood and stuff. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that. But like a very old, <laughs> yeah. And, and that Lazarus is like Shovel Knight, a reminiscent of Shovel Knight, a kind of retro platform revival game. Um, yeah, as much as like he claims to be a space marine, he definitely has a very similar design to that, like with the the very colorful, like very blue color scheme and stuff. Nice. Yes, and I've never played. Like I said, I haven't played a lot of these games. Uh, like the kind of main ones that the that these seem to be referencing and i haven't even maybe played a lot of these genres like i said i don't really know walking simulators from first person shooters like i that's just not a kind of game that i ever play and this game is is very interesting in that it sort of forces you to like play outside of your comfort zone or yes. like even perhaps out of your interest zone um yeah. and and has all this kind of thematic weight to it it's a it's a short story collection. It's a novel of ideas. You know, um, it's obviously a, a, a compelling game as well. Um, mm. uh, even though the you know the platformer isn't great, uh, but that's kind of the point, I guess, too. Um, yeah, and the first mm. one, like as much as you know, it, it's small and kind of like insubstantial. I always do enjoy playing through the first level. 
Yeah, it's uh, fun. Yeah, because you got like this bouncy character, and you got the triple jump thing from Mario sixty four, where he does the like front flip when on the third jump, and you know you can literally just hold the button down and just like hop everywhere, and it's just breezy and silly. Like the second game, definitely like the a wrench is thrown in the works, and and I think you know we are meant to see that there is a problem with the combat and like the way too cool 90s-ish sensibilities. Um, But at the same time, you know, like, from a gameplay perspective, it's still fine. It's just that the combat slows everything down. Isn't that what he's doing with this, you know, sequel to Pony Island? He's throwing together a bunch of genres, right? And it is kind of slow getting started. Like, there's a lot of build-up here. but yeah, so he, again, he's got this very self-referential, self-deprecating um, kind of voice. Um, but there, there does seem to be a, a bit more, you know, content uh, this time around. There's a bit more to it. Uh, yeah, and so surfing on the sign, I thought that was like a really beautiful, kind of symbolic little image, right? Of um, using the name of the game to like carry you along or something like mm-hmm. that. Yep. Um, skating along on your reputation, right? Or, or you know, just in the way that you you jumping, you're literally jumping off of the platforms that are are uplifting for you, and, and yep. you know, telling you that you're you're good at making games. <laughs> yeah, and it's also yeah. a really neat contrast because that's the same section where you were like flying through the air in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, just and you know, you you've got to be thinking of like the Mario like Tanuki suit and you know flying yes. with that. Um, and sort of like how bold a choice like that is to just, you know, com- take it in a completely different direction, just abandon the platforming and just fly. Um, and by contrast, you have now you're skating down, mm-hmm. uh, like in the same up versus down, you know, fly versus fall dynamic that we're seeing throughout this. Um, until finally, you know, at the end of the third really buggy game, you've got all those negative reviews, and they make it so you can't even jump anymore. Right. Like you're the plodding world. along, unable to even jump, and then finally you fall. Um, yes. And they even subtitle the third level, The Fall. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and it, like compared to the fact that like it was the thumb that made us fall in the first place, like they're very much driving home both the rise and fall of this franchise, Super Weasel Kid. Um. Now, so what these characters are doing there is unclear. How, how they got there is not clear. But sort of the structure in its, in its outlines is pretty, pretty clear at this point. Like, you're going to be playing as each of these uh, suspects. You're going to sort of see their memories in the form of the games that they used to be in. Um, and um there's you know backstory for each of them and and different kinds of connections between them it seems like that you're going to be sort of figuring out now is the overall game actually a what what do we call it then like what is the overall genre here if if we're going to try to encapsulate it as something yeah if we try and boil it down to one thing i think the only option we're left with is to call it an adventure game um because you know again like you pointed out the framing device has a very point and click adventure kind of feel to it 
Um, but more than that, adventure games have always been comfortable incorporating multiple different styles of gameplay and genres into them. Like, you play full throttle and you got that whole, like, beating up people on your motorcycle section. Um, you play Secret of Monkey Island and you sword fight with insults. Like, um, flexibility in, in your gameplay is kind of a trademark. Um, yeah. of the adventure game and like i think ian danskin actually did a really good video on defining what adventure games actually are um, yes. and rather than defining them by mechanics he says that he defines them by um like solving puzzles to complete plot um mm -hmm. so by that logic, the hex totally fits. Like, you complete these games to advance, to figure out, you know, what is going on, to solve the mysteries and figure out what the hex actually is and who is performing it and who the murderer might be. Um, right. Well, there is no murder yet also, so unless there's something weird going on with time, which is yes. totally possible given the kind of conventions of these sorts of games, right, mm -hmm. where as playing the game, you move back and forth in the time of the game and, and this and that. Well, this is a murder that has not been committed yet that you're, yes. I guess, tasked with preventing, perhaps. Um, but then, again, that makes me ask, you know, what is the hex, right? Is, mm -hmm. is, it, the, is it the process of trying to prevent the murder that's going to cause the murder? And, and is the ritual, right, that we're all um, wondering about at this point? I, well, plus, I, there's also the, you know, overwhelming question, who made the phone call? Like, where is the person right. getting their information? Um, how well, do they know? Yeah, so there's really eight characters, at least. Mm -hmm. um, there's Jeremiah, there's the shadowy figure in, in the you know edges of the screen. Um, both, both of them could be the same person, I guess. But, but yeah, mm -hmm. there's, there's a number of, of kind of loose ends at this point. Um, hmm. And again, just sort of in what way these characters occupy the world of their game and then also this this frame um this frame world of of the the bar um that's that's the same kind of question that, that pony island continually sort of made me wonder about um with the the, the levels of that game so mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, i'm i'm digging it so far um i'm gonna try harder to uh keep an eye out for you know threes and um um, you know, secrets and stuff. Um, so I've, I've not been doing a good job so far. It sounds like oh, it's it's early yet, and you don't know the rules, so it's no <laughs> big right. deal at this point. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like again, the the secret with the cat on the magic carpet, like it's an easy thing to miss. The one in Radical Road is is pretty well hidden. Um, and you well, like it's it's hidden by the obviousness of the first one in a way. It's like okay, I found yeah. the secret with the cat like now i just like have to get through these increasingly difficult um platforming elements but no there's more ah it's that's dastardly yeah yeah and there it will get more dastardly like in later levels the secret hiding will will definitely like mullins ups his game here um and there were numerous comments in Pony Island, uh, like talking about the secrets, and he was impressed with how many people were digging so deep. Um, and he said, like at one point, to in the comments section, that like he was going to make sure that the next game was going to have secrets on secrets on secrets, and nobody was ever going to find them all. Uh, yeah, I I would really like to 
Yeah, um, as I get a little further into the hex, uh, again, I'll, I'll I'll start to do some secondary sources and and primary source research as well about his what he's said about it in different places. Um, but that, yeah, that intention, I guess, on on the part of the maker is is very apparent um, in in the finished product as well. Um, so in a way, he's you know present um, along with us. Um, well, cool. Okay. So any other uh, big, I don't know, big topics to keep an eye out for here as we're going into the cook for next time? I guess if there is one, um, I would suggest that you start looking for ways to crash the games. <laughs> like, I know that that's a crazy thing to say, but we, like, there are in fact achievements for doing it. Um oh. And there, this is sort of like one of the other levels that, you know, the, the, we haven't really explored it yet. And a lot of the, the information is still forthcoming before you really know how to do it intentionally. Um, but it can be done. Like, the, especially the buggier the game, the, the more liable to crash it may be. Um, so Super Weasel Kid 09, for example, you can totally crash um, if you know what to do. Um, okay. So again, keep an eye out. Look for exploits. Look for things that may not seem quite right um, in all of our little sub games going forward. Um, and then, if you crash it, all the better. That's what Pony Island taught us to do, I exactly. guess. Exactly. <laughs> Hopeless soul slash um, Lucifer. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. All right. Well. Uh, We'll, we'll catch you next time. Uh, and thanks again to everybody who tuned in here. Um, and if you're listening afterwards, you have thoughts, questions, send them in. Uh, we, we want this to be, you know, more participatory, just like, just like these games. So, all right, Ben, take it easy. You too. And on.